Well, hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. And my name is Joe Caruso. I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. It's going to be fun because with mixed messages, we're always trying to figure out how the messages come in from news to comedians, friends, advertisements. Everyone has an idea of how we should think, how we should live, how we make decisions. And even when all the experts all sound convincing, 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 convincing. Thank you very much. (laughs) How can we cut through the noise? Well, when information overload leaves us frustrated and we sift through it all, what governs our lives? And that's what mixed messages is all about. How can we be praying and processing, navigating today's most pressing topics and questions? So, Jeff, how you doing? Good. Pretty good. Pretty pretty good. Partner good. (laughs) We're going to be talking in our accents today. Um, That was a mix of Southern and Australian, in case you were wondering. (laughs) I wonder about that. You sounded exactly like Keith Urban. (laughs) (laughs) That is Southern Australian. That's perfect. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, we uh, always want to get questions from our listeners because, again, as we talk about mixed messages, it's about answering today's questions. And today's topic is going to be answering just one of those. So here's our question from our listener. With so much diversity and the perspectives in the world, how do you interact with others that see things differently from you without coming across as dogmatic? Uh, They grew up in a home or a church that seemed to hold to the fact that we had the ultimate truth and all other people were kind of second-class citizens and therefore of lesser value. And the question asker saying, I'm not really a big fan of elitism. So how do we jump into this? And a couple of weeks ago in one of our episodes, we asked the question, how do I talk to people that I disagree with? So check that out. We've had some great episodes. But this one is more, how do I engage and live and communicate and even commune with people that have different perspectives? Yeah. And so, Jeff, kind of help us start this conversation. What do we do with folks that just see things differently than we do? Well, that's a massive conversation, and it probably revolves a lot around what they see differently. Sure. Right? So... Uh, there's a lot of what the Bible would call disputable matters. So there, there's kind of two, uh, for lack of a better term, categories of people. W- one would be other Christ followers who see things differently, people who purport to be uh, committed to Jesus, and then others who are not Christ followers who see things differently. And yeah. that de- that delineation is a super-duper important delineation. Yeah. Uh, the Bible would say that if you're a Christ follower, I have a responsibility to you, right? So I exhort you, I speak words of encouragements to you, uh, I speak truth to you, <clears throat> um, I uh, iron sharpens iron. There, there can even be a bit of a of a rub relationally where sparks will fly, yep. um, and so that's kind of one side of the conversation. The other side of the conversation would be non-Christ followers which I would interact with with a gentleness and respect. Uh, I would I would just uh, look it up earlier, First uh, Corinthians chapter five verse twelve. Uh, Paul actually says, "What business it? What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Mm. Are we not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside." And so the apostle Paul would say, actually, for somebody to have a difference of opinion with me. Um, about especially spiritual things or even worldview outside the church is actually normal, yeah. right? So I'm going to engage them completely differently. So it kind of depends on, like, with our listener here, like what path we want to go down first. Sure. 
what that what that issue becomes. Sure, and I would love to actually land right there for to start with the 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 non-believer, the person that doesn't have that perspective where they would see Jesus as an ultimate authority or look to the Bible. Yep. So, but they think things very differently with us. Our, our social media culture say just start arguing. <laughs> yeah, that's so effective. It is. It, it has created a world of love and unicorns and bubbles. People changing their minds left and right. Uh, yeah, they're just totally convinced. Uh, thanks and, for and, and what helps them change their mind even faster is if you yell louder, all caps. Absolutely. All caps that gets the point very across. effective. Um, we're going to get comments on this one in all caps, I guarantee <laughs> yeah, it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, yeah, but if you have someone that doesn't believe in Jesus, but they disagree with you, how should we interact with them? So this is going to sound funny at first, and so uh, those of you who are uh, listening or if you're watching this, um, you got to hear me out, okay? So we have to, I want us to make a mental deal right now, a mental <laughs> agreement that I will say what I'm about ready to say if you agree to not tune out in the next four minutes, okay? So this is what I would say. When it comes to somebody outside the church, here it is, ready? Relationship trumps truth, mm. all right? Relationship trumps truth. Now, here's why I would say this, and this is where you have to agree to listen to me. Someone who is not a follower of Christ, their whole nature and worldview is constructed in a falsehood, that makes sense? Yeah. So everything is constructed in a falsehood. And when everything is constructed into in a falsehood, me convincing you about what is true, what is good, right, admirable, praiseworthy, godly, is is a is something that I cannot do. Literally, the spirit of God has to intervene, right? So the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit draws us to repentance with kindness. Uh, <clears throat> the Spirit of God is who opens up a person's mind to what is unseen. They alleviate spiritual blindness. So if I'm arguing with someone from a biblical perspective who does not have the Holy Spirit of God, then that person is incapable of having a biblical perspective. Mm. And that's where Paul, as part of what he's leaning into here, he's like, why, why are you doing that? Like, and, and then what happens is this. I scream truth, they withdraw relationship. Yep. Okay. Now, Jesus came at that differently. He came at things with relationship and then he infused truth. He didn't come at truth and he infused relationship. The people that he kind of shouted down or put in them in their place were religious elites who knew better. Yep. They were not lost people who were what the Bible, the, it's the biblical word, ignorant, which just means without knowledge, they mm -hmm. just didn't know, right? So if I'm having a cultural debate, let's say about abortion, sure. right? And, and if I don't have a biblical rationale and conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit, then it's very, very normal that I would think of uh, an issue like abortion as an issue of convenience, that I would lock into a false narrative. Uh, gay marriage is even a better example. Um, if you believe that marriage is about love and romance and happiness, then gay marriage makes all the sense in the world. 
The only reason that you would believe that marriage is about something deeper and other than those things is because you have a biblical view of a New Testament marriage Mm -hmm. defined mostly by Ephesians chapter 5. So we don't argue with people who who are not believers. All we do in that process is we sacrifice relationships. That's why in North America... What the church is best known as and Christians are best known as are people who are Mm anti-gay because we've thrown biblical truth at people who are incapable of understanding it. Now, if we lead with relationships, then we do what Paul, he calls it persuading. Now we can persuade, Mm -hmm. right? We can persuade. So it's not that I sacrifice truth to throw away truth. Like that's a, a misnomer, and and uh, I would never say that because I don't believe it. I won't. I unapologetically stand for what the whatever the scripture teaches. We're talking about delivery mechanism, and that truth and grace are inseparable. Mm-hmm. When I'm interacting with someone who's not a Christ follower. I want to lead with relationship. I want them to know that I love them. I want them to know that I accept them. I want them to know that I will love and accept them and they don't have to conform to me. And that sounds a lot like Jesus. Jesus knows, loves, and accepts us and does not demand our, our conformity. He invites us, mm-hmm. but we're if you reject mm-hmm. Jesus and don't follow him, he still loves you, mm-hmm. right? That's not true of most Christians. If you if you reject us or oppose us, then we kind of reject you and oppose you. That's that's at least our reputation, right? And we do it in the in the name of of truth. So when it comes to a non-believer, when we're disagreeing, what I would say is this: when the disagreement is leading to a relational breakdown, back off the disagreement. That's politically. That's what sports team you like, <laughs> unless it's Michigan, and then you have to defend the Lord. And, and then, like, it, it's it's all those kind of things. Like, it, when you're parenting your kid, if your kid is not a Christ follower, the time to back down is when the relationship starts to fracture. Mm-hmm. And to push that truth forward, what you need is more relationship. Mm-hmm. And the more relational runway you have, the more truth you're able to offer, and the more truth, frankly, that they're able to digest. Sure. One of the most famous hymns of all time, uh, whether you're 14 or 94, you're, you would recognize Amazing Grace. Yeah. And there's a line in there that says, once was blind, and now I see. Yeah. And that's when you're... When you don't have the Spirit of God informing you internally, your spirit, you have no way of seeing what God is trying to point out yeah. to you. And so you don't have that ability to to see, to understand the truth, to engage it the way you're talking about. And so it's a very different approach because they are incapable of understanding the truth in the and way it, you're trying and, to And it is not my job to alleviate your spiritual blindness. Right. It is my job to lead you to the one who does that, yep. right? It's the, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, and we want to be the Holy Spirit. We want to close the deal. We want to be the hero in the narrative, and, and this is where Paul says some, some sow, some water, other reap. It, my job is to represent Christ in the process of his working in your life. Yeah. 
And when I cross that barrier, um, I back off, right, with it because the, the relational work it is still needs to be done. Now, that means a couple of things. One, maybe they've hardened their heart. And now you're just casting pearls before swine. It's, it's, you're never going to win anyways, right? So that's a conversation. But maybe God's timing isn't there. Sure. You know, and what, what they need is the relational representation of mm-hmm. the heart and the mind of Jesus. And you got to be careful because you can be a chicken in yeah. all of that, right? Sure. So, but, um, but we want to live the gospel in such a way that people, this is Peter, people's looking and saying, can you tell me the reason for the hope that's within you? And then I boldly and clearly answer the question about who Christ is. But when you're arguing about tax policy or um, health care, you've squandered all that. Yep. And, and, and w- with somebody who's a non-believer now we're talking about, um, regardless if they agree with you on politics or not, they're, they're not able to yet grasp fully mm-hmm. what God wants to teach them. And you cheapen the message if suddenly their faith or understanding of Jesus is boiled down to a political topic. Right. Jesus is a Republican, and if oh. you are too, you're going to have it. Right. Good night. Yeah. So oh, I hope not. Whether they agree with you or not, <laughs> now they have a false understanding of what Jesus is to begin with because right. they think it's associated with that. Right. So, so good. Now, in some ways, that might be easier because I think a lot of us can grasp, okay, I get it. You, They're incapable of seeing what God is trying to communicate. But now we get to kind of a tricky situation where people that are supposed to be able to see things at least the way the, uh, the way we think they should be seen. What do you do when other believers, other professing Jesus followers, disagree with you? <laughs> Depends on what we disagree about. Yeah, good. <laughs> Again, okay. So Paul says, Romans 14, uh, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling on disputable matters. So there are matters that are disputable. In other words, matters in which the Scripture does not come out and give us a clear-cut direction on that. Um, Should a Christian drink alcohol or not? Well, the Bible says don't be drunk. So now this becomes, am I with a weaker brother or a stronger brother? Uh, Should a Christian be a Republican or a Democrat? Well, the Bible says that Christ defines us. So that means I got a whole lot of freedom in there. You know, if I like Republican policies, then vote that way. If I like democratic policies, then vote that way. There's, there's a whole lot of freedom in, <clears throat> in a lot of those political arenas. Um, so should you homeschool your kids? Should you not? Should you, you know, you know, where do I go to a Christian college or a secular college? Those are disputable matters. And what believers offer to each other in disputable matters is we offer exhortation and encouragement, right? So if you, um, if you came to me and said, uh, you know, hey, Jeff, I'm thinking about doing X, Y, Z. As a brother in Christ, I might look at you and say, hey, talk to me about that. Like, wh- what is the kingdom value of that? What are you thinking? What's God laid on your heart? What's your passions, et cetera, et cetera, right? If I thought that you were being motivated wrongly or were outside of Scripture, I would exhort you. I would challenge you, mm-hmm. right? Now, I would do that in love. Now, what I said was, I want everybody to hear this, right? Everybody <laughs> die, stop, stop what you're doing. Listen closely. <laughs> I said I would challenge you. I did not say I would control you. Yeah. Right? 
That's what a cult does. <laughs> right. So I would challenge you, if your heart was in the right place and my heart was in the right place, then our relationship will be in the right place. And if you do something I don't think you should do, now I encourage and I support you as long as it doesn't violate the scriptures. Right. Right? So I, I'm. if you think you should cheer for Michigan, and I think that's ridiculous, but you're like, I feel convicted because they need something up there, <laughs> right? Then um, then I support you in like that missions work kind of a thing. So it depends. Now, if a person who is a believer is an error, then we who are mature are to seek to restore them gently. Mm-hmm. So if uh, a friend is having an affair, if someone is, is cheating in class, if uh, a roommate is sleeping with their boyfriend kind of thing, and they say that they're a Christian, now I'm coming in and I'm challenging that and saying, wait a minute, the scripture specifically says, like, we're, we're not, this is not a disputable matter. It's not a matter of freedom. Mm-hmm, like, you mm-hmm. can kind of do things that I don't feel like I can do. But this is a this is a scriptural matter. Now I'm challenging and I'm pushing strongly. If you won't relent, now we're going to Matthew chapter 18, where the Lord lays out a process. I I challenge you. If you will not repent, I go with a friend. Two of us challenge you. If you will not repent, then we bring it to the church. Now mm-hmm. the church challenges you. If I do, if you do not repent then you are treated as a unbeliever. We, we look and simply say, I don't think your faith is genuine. And this is a very, by the way, that's a slow process. Yep. It's a painful process. I have done this. I hate it. Yeah. Um, it is one of the most miserable things you'll ever do, but it's an act of love. And an easiest example would be a person who's in an extramarital affair and I find out, I challenge, they won't break it off. Friends go, they won't break it off. Now we're before the church, they won't break it off. And then as an elder group, we've said, listen, you are not allowed to be at the church anymore. And one circumstance years ago, a guy looked at me and said, you're judging me. And I said, that's correct. I am. I am judging that this is sinful. And I will not, I cannot, because I love you. Mm-hmm. And I believe your soul is at stake. You're defying the living God openly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the scripture has a lot to say about that. Well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a man of God. I'm just making different choices. No, you're not. And, and I would really encourage you to question your own faith at that point. Mm-hmm. So a lot of this is like, well, what are we? Are we disagreeing about what should, you know? Watch American Pickers or watch Fixer Upper, you know? Like <laughs> it's like, what is this disagreement? Mm-hmm. And and I think the key to it all is the scripture is the context, relationship is the is the delivery platform, mm-hmm. and all of this is done out of out of love and relationship and a desire to honor God, but also to to love and to build into others. So I I love that, and I've had to walk through that Matthew 18 process, too. And you're right. It's hard. It is no fun. But it gives a chance, <laughs> in a way, to that to that person to to respond. And if it's done in that gentleness, as you said, you know, the, uh, the Scripture says that the kindness of God leads people to repentance. And right. so you're praying the whole time. 
God work in their heart and bring them w- back. Because I've experienced this, I'm sure you have too. We've seen people come back to the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So the, 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 a believer can wander, mm-hmm. right? And so shepherds, elders, Christ goes and gets that person and brings them back. And so uh, for every person that we've had to uh, treat as a tax collector, as a sinner, mm-hmm. there's – probably three Mm -hmm. that we're now able to call brother because we simply face them Mm -hmm. um and and we're willing to to live with that so this is you know there there is racial tension there's economic tension there is political tension um i wrote in my uh my notes for the conversation uh that i'm going to have this weekend that darkness lends itself to bright light Hmm. It, there's a great the darker it is the better it is to show up in and when we show up in love and grace and truth not just truth right and not enabling but grace and truth and we do that out of a, a motive of love you can defuse anything from tension with your eight-year-old to uh, somebody who hates hates your guts Paul also says, I think this is important to say, he also says, as much as it's up to you, live in peace with all men. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not up to me. <laughs> sometimes people won't let me live at peace with them. And yeah. that's probably a different episode for <laughs> an- another day. Sure, absolutely. I, I I love these perspectives because I think we're just in a time where um, it seems like everybody is staking a claim. Yeah. They're 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 waving a banner of some type, um, sometimes quite literally, um, and they're setting themselves up in camps. And then we look at each other across what feels like the the geographic church. We're like, wait a minute, I thought we were on. And then in our minds, we'll say something like the same side. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, I think that that's what starts to confuse. And I think that that's even where our listener is asking this question. Now, there's one more nuance, Jeff, that I want to get into with this. So we got, how do we respond when an unbeliever disagrees with us? How do we uh, engage someone that's in sin and disagrees with us that's a believer? Um, But what about like... Um, you know, maybe it's something culturally, maybe it's even some type of like uh, generational gap. Like, well, that's what boomers think, you know, okay, boomer, yeah. uh, you know, type of a deal. Uh, maybe it's something racially. Certainly that's been a big thing this year. And you you find yourself, or I've even, I was talking with a ministry colleague and, um, you know, one of my roles here at the church is to help lead uh, volunteers into our communities and into places around the world. And they were kind of arguing with me, why would we do that when there's so much need right here amongst our own church? We're not going to get into that today. That could be in a whole other episode. But there was a little bit of a disagreement there, just simply on the philosophy of how the church should operate. You bigger than that guy? Of course. Yeah. (laughs) He's locked in a cage right now. Uh, (laughs) But, um, you know, it's sometimes it's just those types of differences, but because we're so prone to division, sometimes even those types of things get us in trouble. How do we navigate some of that. I think I think um I think we have to go back and recognize that God cre- God created race, God created culture. Um God God created the body. Mm. Right? So for instance with race stuff, I, I think what breaks my heart and I think the heart of God so much with race is we've given value to something that he's given beauty to. Mm. And beauty is not 
value. It's different. I, I, I just was on vacation a little bit. We went out uh, to uh, uh, the Grand Teton National Park out in Wyoming. Heidi and I did do some hiking and stuff like that for a few days, and it was a blast. And those mountains, they say, they say they're some of the most beautiful in the world, and I would be like, I haven't seen all the mountains in the world, but that's pretty beautiful. <laughs> so what are they worth? What do you sell them for? They're worth a billion bucks, 100 billion bucks. What's their value? Well, their, their value is intrinsic in their beauty. You don't, you don't assign value mm. to it. You recognize the beauty of it. Race is like that. Who, who, who's the most important race? What? You're looking at an artwork. You're looking at a, a, a master's hand and deciding what, what shade Mm-hmm. is the one that shouldn't be valued. It, it makes no sense. And when you step back and you see the work of the master's hand, you see the wonder of it. And that's the tragedy. The, the tragedy is um, it's not that we see color. It's that we devalue color, mm. right? And then, and then when you devalue something, you can depersonalize it. When you depersonalize it, you can dehumanize it, mm. you know? And so that's – so. As a, for instance, there, the conversation, white privilege, systemic racism, those are fascinating and important conversations. And I, it's hard to get my head around it all. And I think, but I think it's important to be challenged and to understand those kind of things. But I'm stepping maybe even a step back from that and saying, what motivates me to have those conversations is my brothers and sisters in Christ and in humanity are, are feel devalued. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, that's problem number one. Because if I value you, I'll have kind of any conversation with you, right? I won't get all defensive and uptight about it. I'll, I'll value the fact that you even, that if Heidi's mad at me, I'm even glad she told me. Right. Now I know what, because I sensed it, now I know. See, see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So race is that way. Gen, um, uh, uh, age is that way. When we look and say, you know, the hey boomer thing, that's like a joke. Uh, my kids say it to me, they're teasing, but you can also say that in a very dismissive way, right? And I call them snowflakes. You know, we're, we're playing. So I don't, I don't want to get into like language stuff. That, sure. that stuff is kind of nonsense, but it's the same thing. Age is part of the artwork of God. We were created to age. Yep. Right. I was talking to a, <laughs> this is a weird story, but I was buying a shirt a couple weeks ago, <laughs> and um, I'm checking out, and there's this young girl checking out, uh, or is ringing me out. So these two girls, like the one's the cashier, the other one works there, and they're talking, and frankly, instead of paying attention to the customer, they're just engrossed in their own conversation. And the one girl said to the other girl, she goes. I'm going to get my – she pointed to, like, the crow's feet in her eyes. She goes, I'm going to get my eyes fixed next week because I just don't want to start looking old. And I'm listening to this, trying to, like, pay for my shirt. And the first thing I thought was, you're, like, 21. I don't know. <laughs> like, you're, you're in trouble if you think of the girl. But then the second thing I thought was this, but I said it out loud. It's one of those things that I, I kind of said and then realized I said it. <laughs> I, I'm, I said, don't do that. <laughs> and she looked at me, and I was—I kind of looked behind me. I was like, "Oh, I, I guess I said that, right?" <laughs> but I said, "Don't do that." And she looked at me, and she's like, "Really?" And I go, "I go, yeah, don't do that." And she goes, "Why not?" I said, "Cause age is beautiful. 
And I said, don't, let, don't ever let somebody else tell you otherwise. I said, I've been married to my, I, I told her this. I said, I've been married to my wife for 27 years. We've dated for two years. So I've been with her for 29 years. And I said, she's more beautiful than ever to me. Mm. I said, don't do that. Just, I, I said, just embrace the beauty of age. Well, that young girl started to cry. Mm. <laughs> and, and she said, she goes, I wish your wife was here. I would tell her how wonderful you are. And oh, I gosh. was like, I wish she was too. <laughs> so you could do that. But she started to cry. Now, I'm an old fat man. I, she, she took it as like a dad talking to her. Mm-hmm. But, but it meant something to her because down deep she wants that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Right? Age is beautiful. Youth is beautiful. Uh, age and youth together is zeal and wisdom. And when you combine those two things, you have something powerful, mm-hmm. right? So you don't despise it. God literally created everything to function that way. Yep. So, so you embrace it and, and, and you lock into it. I, so it's stuff like that, you know, where, where you, you kind of take a step back even from the argument and you're trying to get your head around the heart and mind of God, which is the whole point of mis- mixed messages here that we're this podcast we're doing, is to get your head around the heart and mind of God, and just look and say, God, God intended something. Mm-hmm. Let it be that, and and the beauty and the wonder of it is there. Um, we devalue it, yeah. you know. He he and his handiwork created it i you asked me a second another question i don't remember what it was oh i don't now. either it's fine <laughs> but that, that i think that that goes right along with the whole idea you know first corinthians 12 has this beautiful picture of what the body of christ is yeah. romans 12 talks about it as well other passages where the diversity of the body a lot of times we think about that through the lens of skills i'm good at this i'm gifted at this i'm not that good at this but it's also through what you value, what you like, the zeal that you have, how old or young you are, all of that comes together. And when it when it comes together to build each other up, now we start to see a picture of the body of Christ. Yeah. And it's awesome. And the body life, I think that was the other question that you asked me. The body life is, is a huge thing. You don't appreciate the body until it doesn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. So I never think about my fingers until I cut one off this spring. And then the value of the tip of that finger had a whole new and, – and so when we, we do the same thing, when we disagree, when somebody else has an opinion or an impression or a leading of the Holy Spirit, and I think it's dumb or inconvenient, I'm not valuing right. what God is trying to accomplish with the church. Now, that doesn't mean I have to agree with everybody. Like, that's enabling – but it's it's recognizing that God brings all of this around me, and when I when I look at the body of Christ, when I look at age issues, when I look at differences between men and women, when I look at racial issues, what I'm seeing is the heart and the mind of God. And now I don't always understand it, sure. But that's where I love you, and we work at that. Mm-hmm. Right. Same thing with culture. I don't always understand. I often don't understand the culture. I love you, so we work at that because I'm working at knowing God in yep. that process. So, so good. I I hope that as you listen to this, as you think through this, as you pray through this, that this is something that 
you start asking God to change your mind and heart with Mm -hmm. that because right now, again, mixed messages, so much of the messaging in our culture right now is saying, be divided, be divided, it's accusatory, and it wants to destroy. And what God is saying, no, 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 I've created you on purpose to reach out to these unbelieving folks, to love them into the family of God, and then to build up the body of Christ. And we can have these mindsets like I'm getting, you know, the goosebumps right now. It's like watch out and see what God does. Yeah, so, awesome. um, love this. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today. If you have questions that you would like to be answered on this podcast or at least discussed, uh, you can always go to our website bath.gracechurches.org/mixedmessages, uh, and you can fill out the form there. We'd love to get to those as soon as we can. And then, of course, you can always join us on the weekends here at Grace. So, if you're in the Akron area, find our uh, in-person services here on Saturday. Saturdays and Sundays, or if you can't come out or if you live geographically far, check out our online services as well. Join us uh, online, subscribe, follow, hit us up with some direct messages if you need anything, and we would love to engage you throughout the week. And of course, we'll see you right back here for the next episode of Mixed Messages. Thanks for jumping in today as we continue to seek God's voice of all the mixed messages around us. We'll see you next time. 